Hey everybody, Tavis here, bringing you yet another episode of Rare Petro's Hydrocarbon History. If you're new to this series, you'll want to check out those other episodes as well, because, eh, it's a lot of fun, at the very least. It's a visual series, so if you are listening to the podcast, I recommend you go over to YouTube, search The Rare Petro Podcast, and you'll be able to find the other videos that we've put out so far. And, of course, you'll learn something if you listen, but you're going to have a lot more fun if you are watching it. Trust me, this series pairs well with a beverage and a few snacks, so kick back, relax, and let's learn something. I initially planned to select a topic for this episode while playing a video game. Yeah, you heard me right. I was playing Black Flag, which is an installment in the popular Assassin's Creed series, and in this game you play a pirate searching out for his grand wealth, and there's a bunch of other things to do along the way. One of the things that you can do is whaling. You hop out on your whale boat and release a flurry of harpoons in order to kill it, load it onto your pirate ship, and harvest it for resources. This game does take place in the 1700s, back when the Caribbean had more pirates than it knew what to do with, but it got me wondering, well, about whaling today. There's still plenty of people whaling, hunting whales, but why, and how do whales tie into the energy history of the world? A few minutes later, I got into Googling, and I accidentally fell down a rabbit hole of links, which actually laid the base work for this episode. So, let's jump right in. As it turns out, whaling as a history extends back way further than you probably imagined. Petroglyphs found in the Neolithic Bangdwe site in Korea depicts whaling and could be dated back as far as 6000 BCE. As time progressed, well, Norwegians, Japanese, and indigenous communities made use of hunting whales because uh, they were incredibly dependent on the natural resources that whales could provide. I mean, the meat, the skin, the blubber, the organs, really anything that was chewy and digestible was harvested so that you could get fats, proteins, and a whole bunch of minerals out of them. Baleen, or the bristles found in the mouth of toothless filter-feeding whales, were harvested in order to make roofs and woven baskets. The actual bones of the whales were often used to make some pretty good tools and other ceremonial artifacts that would last a while. Even the actual teeth of toothed whales were considered valuable, as they were harvested to be used in ivory chess sets. As Europe began to expand its empire, well, the selection of manufactured goods expanded as well. That baleen I previously mentioned that was used for baskets or roofing? Well, now society advances and corsets are in fashion. Whales have another reason to be scared of humans. Sure, whales were hunted almost worldwide at this time, but with the way things were going, one whale, just a single whale, could provide quite a bit of resources for a smaller community. But throughout the history of whaling, there was one product that was always used pretty consistently. Maybe corsets aren't always in fashion, but energy is. Whale oil was an incredibly valuable resource for industrial nations. I mean, it powered lamps and could be used for heating, lubricants, soaps, paint, I mean, you name it. It was the stuff of advanced modern comfort. America, as we know it, began whaling back in the 1700s off the coast of northern New England, and war often found its way to these regions, so it didn't really take off in these times. But eventually, we reached the 1800s, and after 1815, there's a decent period of peace, and with it, rapid industrial growth. By 1833, there were 392 American whaling vessels. By 1846, that grew to 735, and you can find 80% of the world's whaling ships in the United States alone. In one year alone, the American whaling industry was able to churn out 4 million gallons of sperm oil, anywhere from 6 to 10 million gallons of train oil, and 165 million pounds of whale bone. 
Whaling wasn't necessarily profitable at the time. I mean, margins were always very narrow. I mean, in 1858, 64% of those in the whaling business failed to make a profit that year. You think this would be a turning point, and you would be right. The world continued to grow, and so did the demand for energy. So why didn't whales become extinct some 200 years ago? Grassroots environmental movements and protective legislation. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. It was the development of advanced technology. You see, Sir Edwin Drake hadn't necessarily drilled the first oil well in Titusville, and if you don't know anything about what I just said, be sure to hit that subscribe button below because that is something we will cover in an episode later. But really, all the oil that we had found was kind of on the surface of rocks, you know, stuff that seeps out like you see in California, and even people who got to the Americas early enough found that the Native Americans were using these bubbly pits of just tar for ceremonial reasons, and it didn't really have a, a use yet. It was just kind of a sticky black goo that proved to be not very useful. <laughs> but eventually, a few scientists discovered that you took that goo and you could refine it a little bit. You get kerosene. Not only would it burn more effectively than whale oil, but it would burn cleaner so that you wouldn't have to accept greasy leftover residue and a pretty terrible stench if you just wanted a little bit of light in the evening. Not only this, but it didn't spoil, unlike whale oil, which had to be used before turning, well, rotten. By the end of the 1850s, America had just experienced its first oil boom. Now, 30 kerosene factories are all over the United States churning out kerosene that could actually be used in the same lamps that people were using for their whale oil. A sperm whale was able to produce somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 40 barrels of oil, depending on its size, which is still kind of tough to convert because at the time, a barrel of whale oil was roughly 33 gallons, as opposed to the ones we're accustomed with. So give or take 20 to 40 barrels of oil, depending on how big it was. By the 1870s, oil production had soared to about 20 million barrels a day. Needless to say, uh, that was a sufficient oversupply to take whale oil off of the market. From there, it turns into a story that we all know and love so very much. A man named Rockefeller finds out how to further refine the oil to make more than just kerosene, and eventually it becomes a valuable commodity for everyone in the world. But even then, kerosene was pushed out of the illumination market to be shelved beside whale oil as Edison invented his light bulb that could produce light without an open flame in, in the cleanest way possible. At this point, investors had redistributed their capital from whaling into other newer conventional industries like textiles. This not only benefited the whales, but also sea lions and seals in those northern colder regions. They were often being killed so they could supply both food and oil and energy for the whalers during those cold, cold months. If we go over to the Galapagos Islands, there's also whalers trying to intercept whales as they travel, and they would live off of sea turtles. So... <laughs> Thank God we found something else to supply our lighting and heating needs. The last American whaler eventually left port in 1924. So, that brings us to near modern history. How come the whale populations are still being threatened? Well, whaling experienced its second coming in the middle of the 20th century. In the 1960s, there were enough people concerned with the potential eradication of the entire whale population, all species, so charities were created, and supporting research was kick-started, and many people chose to support that. Unfortunately for the movement, the whole world was not on board. I mean, that second boom I mentioned, many people still hunting whales. I mean, the Soviets were using whales as a food source. The Norwegians wanted to adhere to tradition. There were still markets for many whale byproducts. And Japan, well, they just never really stopped. 
Eventually, 1986 rolls around and most of the world agrees that we need to stop. Quotas were sent for those indigenous communities to be able to whale to support themselves. and There were other permits that were granted for research. What that means, I couldn't really find, but Japan still harvests most of their whales off of research permits today. So even with oil and gas as a primary fuel source, there's still a few other people that see value in the natural resources of the whale and continue to harvest them to this day. Outside of those other use cases I mentioned, there was still a moratorium that most of the world observed on hunting whales. While this is still incredibly alarming news, a graph shows that from 2005 to 2017, humans are claiming anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 whales per year, but that trend is still continuing to decline. So what did we learn today? I think the biggest thing we can take away from this is the advancement of modern technology can allow us to diversify our uses of nature. Whales and oil are natural resources, both rich in carbon. If we hadn't advanced technology since 1850, our population would likely not have grown as fast and there'd be a bunch of other problems, but we likely would have exhausted the worldwide whale population by now and colder trees would be the only other heating and lighting sources available to us and like I mentioned in last week's episode, the coal at that time was not the cleanest. Thanks to our use of hydrocarbons, several species immediately saw a benefit, and even a few were saved from extinction. Of course, there are many, many, many other factors going into this conversation and topic, but one thing that's kind of difficult to refute is that kerosene bought whales more time, and hopefully just enough, that we continue to advance technologically to find other valuable ways to wield energy so that we can get that whale hunting total a little bit closer to zero. After all, that is exactly what this series is about. You know, I want to I wanna raise the awareness of the good things that oil and gas brings around. Besides, you don't really get the prettiest results if you sit down and Google, uh, how does oil save animals? Not a popular narrative. But again, I will link everything I found useful in the research below, along with a really cool whaling documentary from 1957. So if you want to watch that full thing, it's below. I mean, if you're interested in uh, seafaring, hunting, manufacturing, really any of those things at all, I recommend you check out this doc because it was pretty cool. Sort through my resources, fact check me, and please challenge me. The last thing I want to do is sit up here and spew lies. And if there's something you feel I've misunderstood, I would love if you emailed me at podcast at rarepetro.com to express those concerns. Who knows? We might even be able to craft a separate podcast or video, maybe featuring you, where we address those emails. But so far, we've been mainly receiving positive feedback. Go ahead. Share this video with a friend. Maybe it'll change their perspective on something and at the very least generate some good conversation. But this has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>